0: Tell us a bit about yourself, Jamie. What, what what what's your history and 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 what are you what are you really interested in?
1: So I've, I've I've always kind of resonated with computers. I'm autistic, dyslexic, dyspraxic. So back when I was younger, I'd always used to take things apart. You know, my mother and father wasn't very happy with with me doing it, but I always used to do that. And then my dad brought a computer home from the local store, and. Uh, I remember just looking at this thing like, wow, what's this, right? Because I'd always played on the Nintendos and the Commodores and stuff like that growing up, and uh, I just saw this white giant box. So when I was looking after my brother, they just nipped to the neighbours for a very short period of time. I took it apart, I took the screws out the back, and I was like, wow, look at all this stuff inside. So as I'm fiddling about the fan, I clipped the fan and it dropped out, so it like smashed against the bottom of the case. I was like, oh, wow, you know, what's this? Basically, I heard him coming through the door. So I literally put this fan back on as quickly as I could, put the side on and then put the case back. And my dad went to play one of the very early Call of Duties with his friends. And the computer came on for about a good two, three minutes and then just cut out. And then he put it back on and it just cuts out. So he took it back to the shop and uh, it turns out that I didn't put the fan on correctly. So the CPU was overheating massively. It kind of just became a very similar thing to that where I'd break it and then he'd fix it and then break it and then they'd fix it. And I used to go to the shop and watch him essentially fix it. And then from there, I got more intrigued in the the kind of software side, so the GUI side. So I started writing my own malware and viruses when I was 11. So that was that was kind of it really. And I, I, I'd i always been intrigued into to the GUI side and then uh, worked in the co-sector for three years. So I'd stay awake all night playing on my computer, talking to people all the way around the world, sharing my exploits and stuff. Um, And then I went to university and it completely kind of changed my life. It was the first time, which was a proper sandbox, that I could do what I wanted to do without the constraints or restrictions of academia in a sense. So I gave all my exploits back to major companies around the world and grew a profile up very rapidly and then started consulting for major companies around the world about cybersecurity, focusing primarily on social engineering.
0: Where are the vulnerabilities now versus where they were when you started hacking? What's similar? What's changed?
1: massively sophisticated types of attack hackers will sit there for a long period of time you know they'll monitor you um, they'll sit there and because data is far more valuable than currency they won't change anything they won't modify anything they'll just wait and wait and then they'll sell the keys to your kingdom to somebody else that will then run an exploit or deploy some ransomware and then you know extort you in a sense into paying a fee and that's where we're at today is it's not a five minute attack anymore it's three months it's six months it's 12 months in certain cases
0: gaming is clearly much more vulnerable than it used to be gaming used to be a cartridge you put in a box there aren't many loopholes in that now gaming is hugely social it's hugely you know vulnerable in some ways how 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 vulnerable is the gaming world and in what ways so if you kind of go back to that concept where you know you used to put a cartridge in
1: a box right you did and you play your game but then someone found out that zelda the cartridge in a box you could chip a console because there was a certain developer save point inside that particular game that was manufactured that allowed you to exploit um, the software on the actual early PlayStations, for instance, or the early kind of games that you play with. So again, it's always been around, and people have always been exploring. But nowadays, we have so many kind of vast range of online services. We've got games that are connected to other games. We have mods that are being played by other people or developing um, mods for particular games. So it's very sophisticated. But even some of the attacks are again are crimes of of a sense of tricking individuals, right? So befriending somebody, building up kind of quo, and then you know exploiting them inside of a game. So taking ownership of their digital items or assets.
0: So nothing technically complicated. It's actually the old the old tricks of the spies in the Cold War. It's befriend and earn the trust in quite a simple way.
1: Yeah. So you sign up, let's say you um, a lot of gamers now. They want to buy digital currency, right? They can't be involved in playing for a year to get to that state. So they'll go on a third-party website like online just by Google to buy currency for their particular game, right? Once they've done that, they have to sign up for an account. So they're sharing all their information while they're buying this digital currency. Yeah, that's not supported, that's against the terms and conditions for the game developers, but yet they're still doing it. But again, it's very difficult to regulate and kind of police that. But once you've shared that information, if that password's the same as your PlayStation account or Xbox account, etc. All it takes is for them to recover the password and then gain access to the rest of your kind of gaming accounts and take ownership of your digital assets. So it's always down to the human error in effect. You know, you're the one that signs up to it. You didn't configure your settings correctly. And that's the scary part to it. It's not technical. It's just knowing what to say and how to say it.
0: So some early advice on that is clearly to be careful and and private about what you give out in these gaming environments.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, if you it's similar to journalists, right? Whatever you say is on record. It doesn't matter if you say it's off the record. It's not. Inside of a game, anything that you say is stored in a log. It's stored in a database. Somebody's seen that at some point. If you're an online streamer that's streaming games, you might accidentally press a button to tap to your computer so they can see your emails, for instance, you know, while you're streaming. Again, that can be clipped, re- reshared and redistributed online. But over a course of a large period of time, you can build up a massive profile about that person because They might say, oh, my cat's name is Frank or whatever, or my dog's name is whatever, you know, and all these clips that are published online or that you've shared with people, you know, in your voice chats can then be compiled to find weaknesses and ways to exploit you. Some of the best things to do is to set up MFA, you know, inside your environments, make sure that you're secure. When you sign up to a new game, make sure that's the first thing that you do. You know, we wash our hands all day, you know, in a sense, you know, we brush our teeth in the morning, we have a shower, we have this hygiene that we kind of adapted as we've grown up. We
0: need to adapt this cyber
1: hygiene, you know, especially in our gaming environments, our corporate
0: environments to become second nature. The metaverse, something we're hearing more and more about, more people are using it. TalkTalk research showed that 5,000 Oculus headsets, um, which are kind of virtual reality metaverse, you know, tools were sold. On Christmas Day, or gifted on, or plugged in on Christmas Day. Tell us a little bit about the metaverse, what it is, and 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 what we should be wary of.
1: Yeah, so the metaverse is think of it like a doctor. You have a dermatologist, a neurologist. There are so many variations of the word doctor, similar to cybersecurity, the hardware guys, the software guys, etc. With the metaverse, it's all the connective things we in VR. So it's not just one particular thing. It's numerous games, different ways to kind of share different social experiences. But that metaverse has been around since the early notice, if not earlier, because like Second Life is a prime example. That was a very early construct where you could buy an island for your corporate retreat and you could spend on the island in a virtual environment with your employees learning new things, skills and tasks. Nowadays, you can buy an headset for less than £300, right? And you can then go inside this virtual environment and talk and share with your friends. So it's a concept that's been there for a while but over the next 6 to 10 years is where we're going to really utilize it you know where it's become, going to become you know quite prominent in our environment growing up.
0: how should we be careful in a virtual world i guess because the the better the experience is the more realistic the the experience is perhaps the more we can get comfortable and perhaps the more we can get duped is that fair yes exactly so
1: some of the dangers are you know like your avatar right so We've seen deep fake technology recently. we've seen deep fakes in regards to voice technology as well. So uh, there was a bank in, in, in UAE that was able to transfer 24 million dollars by pretending to be the CEO of the, of the company, talking to the bank manager. And they synthesized his voice. The bank manager thought that he was talking to the right person inside the company to make the transfer. Now there was around about 17 individuals involved in this type of a time. But it's what? 17 people to $24 million, you know, and six months to 12 months of your time. And again, this is what hackers will do. they are become very sophisticated. So inside the metaverse, you have your avatar. That is yours. You know, the way that you speak, the way that you talk, and the way that you clothe your avatar is who you are. That's who you want to be. So having these kind of uh, different security measures to ensure that you're not able to be cloned, not able to be reproduced, um, even buying stuff inside these virtual worlds, you know, make sure that we're using like disposable uh, visas or debit cards. The majority of banks now support a disposable card. You can sign up to that and then just throw it away when you finished with it. Right. So you're not sharing stuff that can be reused or reutilized. Stuff with like your first name, your last name, your email address and your password. Don't use the same password that you use for everything. Create a new password. Use a password manager.
0: How easy are password managers? I hear them referred to. I don't necessarily know that people use them the whole time. It seems to be a, a really a gold standard you know, safety piece of a safety advice. How do they work? Yeah, so all it is is a piece of software um, from a reputable organization.
1: There's many organizations out there. You can do your research yourself, but you can store all your passwords and generate new passwords inside that manager. So you have one password that you essentially remember, right? So it's like your master password to access your vault. Now, don't do something like, my daughter's name is X. You know, create a large, complex sentence. So I went to the shops today, so obviously utilising zeros and uh, swapping out at for at symbols, stuff like that. Something that's unique to you. Majority of people get compromised because the password that they're using has been reused by many people before. So once it's been decrypted, then you know what your password is because the string's already been decrypted previously. But something like a large, complex sentence is very less likely to be uh, decoded or decrypted. So inside that password manager, you can store all your passwords in there. You can generate new passwords that are complex. You don't have to remember them all. They're inside your password manager. And they work with your mobile phones, your tablets, your laptop, your desktop environments. They sync across. So you can use that pretty much on any device when you want to recover a password. You can even store financial information inside there because it's encrypted and and, no one else can access that. And it's, it's definitely recommended for you
0: guys to adopt. One thing that gamers do is, and I've done this myself, you, you do huge long sessions, you know, so even something simple like Championship Manager, you want to go through about seven or eight seasons and you find yourself there 15 hours later. Long sessions, I can imagine when you get tired, your guard goes down. Is that an issue as well? So think about it when you've got a binge for, for like Netflix, Amazon, etc. You know, you're
1: watching online, you find a series and then all of a sudden the weekend's gone and you've slept maybe four hours, right? You're very tired, you're very agitated, you just want to do your thing. It's the same thing for gaming. You know, hours on average last around about eight hours now for gaming sessions, if not longer. You know, when you're immersed in that environment, when you feel it, you live in it, you know, you're enjoying it, you're kind of communicating time, just literally passes by like no tomorrow. There's certain sessions when I start gaming when my daughter goes to sleep at eight o'clock and it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I've got to be up at six and seven. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems like a few hours maximum. But during that time, you know, I'm very tired. I'm potentially disorientated. Uh, another thing as well, gamers don't really drink much, right? When they're playing, they don't drink any kind of water or any kind of fluid. So, again, they're dehydrated. And that's a very, you know, big thing that we're seeing with with a lot of streamers online. And esports ES are doing a campaign about that at the moment. So, again, at, around about that time, let's say someone pops up and says, hey, I've got some money, you know, do you, do you want it or do you want a virtual item? You're going to be like, yeah, man, like, let's see what you've got because you just want to go you just want to finish. So you could click on a link and then sign up with some details that you've shared on that to then allow for your accounts to be compromised or recovered. Uh, and then they could steal all your digital assets. So just be very cautious at the end of the session. Just make sure you have a rest in between and make sure you are drinking lots of fluid.
0: What would it be if you, people remember one thing from this podcast?
1: I think the one thing to do is, is whatever you share is always there. right? Someone's going to be recording. Someone's going to be streaming. Don't share any personal identifiable information. You know, yeah, you, ha- you might have some friends that you've played with for a long period of time. Don't share any account details, you know, don't pass across any any information. To make sure you set up um, MFA. It's so important for you guys to use. Whether that's if you're playing Warcraft and you've got the Activision kind of app, or whether you're playing a different game, you can probably sign up with Google Authenticator. Just make sure you have some method of MFA.
0: That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at Talk Talk Group. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening.